Welcome to Green Grasses Season 2. I'm Carla, and this season will look a little different if you can't already tell. Um, this podcast was started because Amy had this grand idea that we should have a podcast together, and she kind of dragged me along. But as I shared in the last episode, I really enjoyed it in the end because I got to hear stories of people, and I was so encouraged. Then Amy gave us the news that she was moving away to her to her um, home state of Texas, and I honestly didn't know what was going to happen to this podcast. But... God is so good to give you good friends that are so fun to talk to. So I decided I would ask one of these good friends if she would do it with me. So this season, we are going to have a new host, and it's Cameron. Oh, hello. And you know Cameron a little bit, because season one, episode 11, she shared her story about how she became a widow and how God was so faithful through that. So I am so excited that Green Grasses can keep going and that we get to hear from Cameron even more. And so not only does that make me excited, I know that it will make many of our listeners really excited too. So you may be wondering what's going to happen to the Sports Minute. You may be wondering (laughs) what's going to happen to the political conversations. And we may still have that, but it may just happen when... Uh, when like important things occur, like the Suns making it to the finals, and how excited I was, and how they won, and oh, no, wait, they Cameron, don't. you went there. Oh no. So so anyway, God so sovereign over that though. I'll yes, tell you, is. if you had wanted the Suns to win, you best believe they would have won. I know, and it's okay because it was just a fun season, and I have not enjoyed a basketball season like that in years. And that's our sports And I could keep going, but I won't because uh, we have a lot to get through today. So um, I'm going to give Cameron a little chance to say hello. And we wanted to go over a little bit about why we're doing this podcast. Um, And when, when Amy and I started it, we wanted to just encourage people. And it's the same goal. So although the people are different, the goal is still the same. We want to focus on what is eternal. And like Psalm 40 verse 8, which has become our theme verse says, the grass withers and the, fu- and the flower fades, but the word of our God stands for- forever. So we want to hear about how people use God's word to shepherd their hearts and grow in dependence on God through their unique circumstances. Hopefully we'll do that this season. And we hope that each story that you hear, you'll see the God of the word and our Our prayer is that your life will change and that you will be encouraged by what we say. So, yeah, so I'm super happy to be here. I am Cameron, Um, and it is, this is just a privilege to get to talk about eternal things. Um, my, one of my biggest concerns about doing this podcast, because some people might say, why not do a podcast? Why, why not? Everyone else is That's a good idea. It. I've got, a, I've got, I've got many reasons why not to do a podcast. But the first thing that I thought of was, I thought of Proverbs 10, uh, 19, I think about how where words are many transgression is not lacking. Um, and in a podcast, there are inevitably many, many words. And mm-hmm. we want these words not to be wasted. We want them to be intentional. We want them to be about eternal things. We also would like to have a good time, but that's just a byproduct of talking about things that are true and eternal and that. And ultimately, ultimately, the whole goal is that our circumstances will change, right? They will change all the time and we will have good days and we will have um, really difficult days and we will talk about 
some really difficult days on this podcast, but ultimately truth never changes. So though our circumstances might change, God's character doesn't change. His promises don't change. And we want to stay anchored to those things. We want to stay anchored to the things that never change, to the rock that never moves. That's why we exist as a podcast, so that we can actually talk about, yes, the grasses will fade away, but God's word never will. His character and his promises to us never will. And we get to do that by way of hearing about how the Lord has been faithful in the lives of the people that we get to interview. So if you've ever wondered about, is God's word applicable to a cancer diagnosis, or is God's word applicable to... Uh, even going through high school as a teenager is God's word applicable to life. Uh, Hopefully on this podcast, you'll get to hear glimpses of how some faithful believers are applying God's word in those circumstances and and how they are holding to things that never change. So that is the reason why I wanted to do this. Yes. Yes. The people are different. We miss Amy. Amy, we miss you (laughs) in Texas. Yes. And well, she should be listening. So that's the expectation. Okay. So today we have a really special story to share. We have asked Kim to come and share with us about her story and her cancer diagnosis. Yes. So I have known Kim Maxwell for 17 years. And I have known her for like 20 one or two I was trying to go back to what year I met you and I think I don't even remember if I was in junior high or high school but it was a very long time ago it was and I just am so like I I just am so excited that you're still in my life and that you've seen me like have kids yeah and just and and one of the reasons I love Kim is because I remember going to her help me with my two-year-old and I I remember those conversations of how to help him obey and how to help me. And I was always so encouraged. And I still, I'm still passing that on to yeah. some. So anyway. Kim uh, also is the wife of someone who was my pastor for a very long time. One of the, probably the most influential pastor that I have ever had in my life. God has just used him in so many ways. And he's used Kim in so many ways in my life. Um, but her husband actually married my husband and I. Now that was a good day. Yes. Um, and I remember you used to come over to my house yes. sometimes when I when my kids were little and just fold socks with me or whatever. And I got to just learn so much mm-hmm. about about how to be a mom. Because listen, y'all, when you have little kids, you don't know what you're doing. I mean, mostly you don't know what your kids are doing. You don't. And then you're and then you're just befuddled, and and you don't know what you're doing. And you, and just, you can get a lot of conversation and while folding socks. You sure can in between all the crying and the hitting and the things. But she, Kimberly, has just been a wonderful example of the Titus 2 woman, like a Titus 2 older woman to me. Mm -hmm. She just has been, she does a really good job. She's super humble and kind and a faithful woman of God. And will always take you back to God's word to help you with Mm. anything from parent issues Mm -hmm. to baby issues to shepherding your own heart. And so I just, we, so that's why we love her. So while we don't have Kim on the podcast today to talk about how to be a young mom, we could. We could. She's qualified, oh, my friends. Oh, we could. She's qualified, but that's not why she's here today. <laughs> um, so now I'm going to hand it over to Kim and just ask, uh, I'm going to ask her to introduce herself a little bit more, tell us a little bit about herself, and also just to give us a really brief synopsis of her testimony before we get into the interview. So, yeah. yes, I am glad to be here. And I am very glad to know you both. You are a blessing and a joy and always have been. And Carla, even when you were in high school. (laughs) 
and I was probably only like 21. I think actually, you were pretty, the time. I think I was you were pretty young, young. Yes, yes. Serving on high school staff in California at church. So I'm just going to tell you a tiny bit about myself. I am Kim Maxwell. My husband is Scott Maxwell, my sweet husband. We have been married for 31 precious years and counting. I have three great kids that I love and enjoy very much. Two daughters who God actually gave us through the gift of adoption. They're 22 and 21. My 22-year-old has been married for a year, and that gave me a son-in-law, which I have enjoyed more than I ever knew I could. Our youngest, our son, is 19, and one thing I like to tell him often is that he was the best birthday surprise ever, <laughs> because after two adoptions, I didn't know I could be pregnant, Aww. and finding out that I was pregnant very so near sweet. my birthday was That's very so sweet. sweet and a gift so from sweet. the Lord. So, outside of our first year of marriage, Scott and I have spent most of our marriage and family years serving in the local church. And that's just how I would sum up a kind of our life. We do a lot of other things and did, but if I could just choose one thing together, apart with our kids, apart from our kids, we just love the church. And we love the church because the Lord loves the church mm-hmm. and we right. want to love what he loves. Yeah. So that's where we just wanted to invest our time in. Although Scott is not a full-time pastor anymore working for our church, we still love it and serve there. And three years ago was part of that. The Lord revealed he had different plans for us. Mm -hmm. And that kind of begins where we'll talk about my cancer diagnosis and story Mm -hmm. and just God's faithfulness in all of that. But first of all, I want to tell you really briefly um, about my relationship with Jesus Christ. Um, It started when I was a young girl. And it just started with basically just family, friends. There were a lot of Christians in my life that loved Jesus both sides of my family, and I I love that. I'm very thankful for that. I heard about God mostly consistently taught through the Bible, through Sunday school class. I can even remember several of my Sunday school teachers' names. And so it was no surprise to me to learn that God was the one that made the world, everything in it, Mm -hmm. and that we were made, and the world was made to glorify Him, to love Him, to be in relationship with Him. It was no surprise to me um, to um, learn all of the stories and that they all pointed to the God of a universe. And that made perfect sense to me, although it didn't save me. It wasn't saving knowledge. And I think the most jarring thing for me was learning about Adam and Eve and that something had entered the world called sin. And I was so stunned that something so horrible that they would do something so horrible. The only thing that made it worse was as a young girl to find out that actually their sin had spread to me and I too was a sinner. Mm -hmm. And I knew that that was true. I could see that in my own heart. I didn't, you didn't have to teach me to disobey or teach me to um, be unkind or to be sinfully fearful. I just was. And because I was a very fearful child, Uh, didn't sleep a lot at night, worried about everything from Mm -hmm. real to unreal things, Mm -hmm. um, including just the next day, relationships, people, um, having something else to fear like sin, being separated from God, knowing there was going to be judgment for my sin was going to be the end of me. So I'm very thankful that Dean and Dorothy Coons, my Sunday school teachers, Mm -hmm. also provided the hope. And it was through a simple verse talking about Jesus on the cross, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever would believe in him would have everlasting life. And that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so that was exactly what I needed. God had prepared my heart, softened my heart. I cried out to the Lord as soon as I could get home and talk through it with my parents. Um, I told God that I knew I needed a savior. I asked him to forgive my sin. 
I asked him to make my relationship right with him, not because of anything I had done, but because of what he did on the cross. So by faith that I would believe in him and trust him for my salvation and for faith to trust him with the promise of new life in Christ. And for me at the time, it was just, God, I want to love you and I want to please you with all of my heart. Teach Mm -hmm. me more about you. Help me hate sin and love you. It was pretty much that simple. And God was faithful to do that. He has carried me all of these years. He has brought me through many trials that have Mm -hmm. tested that faith. But the reason that I can look back and not necessarily rest in a prayer as a young girl, but know that that was the beginning of a walk with the Lord and a relationship with him and salvation is because I see him testing and proving and evidence that he's working in my life all along Mm -hmm. and continuing to uphold me. So a few of things that happened, a few things that happened in my life and that continue to happen in my life that are evidence of um, being new um, in 2 Corinthians 5.17, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. Behold, the old things have passed away and new things have come. Some of those things I just saw um, immediately and continue to grow are replacing fear with trust, Mm. learning to trust him as good Mm -hmm. and one that is near and cares. Another one is just pursuing living in a way that reveals that my life belongs to the Lord. I am his and I live for his purposes. He doesn't live for mine. And he um, gives me opportunities to do that often as we'll see soon. And then finally, just, I have a love for God and I want to, and I know it's only by his grace. He gives me the desire to love him and want to continue to grow in him repent from sin, right. love him more, serve in his church um, through his word, through the Bible, through his church, through his people, and whatever else he brings into my life. It just, it exists for him. Yeah. Praise God. Yeah. Praise God. That's so yes, amazing. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I mean, we're all sitting at this table right now. Yes. I mean, I mean, spoiler alert, by the grace of God, like in a studio. No, we're at a, we're, at we're a in table. my house. We're at Carla's kids' homework table. Yes, we yes, are. And the dog is being so quiet. <laughs> and the dog is being so quiet. Behind his gate. Yes. Um, <laughs> but we are all sitting around this table right now because we have similarly just been rescued yeah. by the grace of God. And it is just encouraging to hear, man, because we're so different. The three of us are so different. And yet um, God is the same. Yep. He, he's, he's carried us all and rescued us all. We're going to do a quick icebreaker, and it's going to it's going to be a little segment called Get to Know Cameron and Carla and today, Kim, too. Um, so we're just going to ask one question. We're all going to go around and answer it. Yep. Our question today is, what is one job you've had in your life and one lesson you learned from it? Carla, would you like to start us I'll off? I'll start, yeah. When I was a senior in high school, I thought it would be great to work for an accountant. <laughs> now, I just don't understand that at all. Well, I thought, you know, that sounds like a good job. It'd probably be a good experience. It, probably, up. it did. It oh, sounds yes. like I work for an accountant, yes. you know? <laughs> and that's exactly what I thought. And I got there and I was like, oh my gosh, I have math. Oh, no. And, you know, math was never my favorite subject. And I just, I just did not, I didn't, I just should not have tried that at that point in my life. I mean, could I do it now? Possibly. Do I want to do it? No. So it really taught me that I should not go in the direction of numbers when it came to a career. It's so funny because when I first asked this question about like, what's one job you've had and one thing you've learned from it, 
I, in my mind, it was all negative. It was all like, all right. these like bad examples <laughs> of jobs that I've had and the lessons about what I should not be doing. But I suppose there is a positive. There is a Kim, positive. Is yours going to be positive or negative? I sure hope so. Okay. Okay. Well, so mine is um, I once, uh, at, we, I was previously on the mission field in Papua New Guinea in a village for a few years. And uh, when I came back and my husband got sick and uh, our, our circumstances radically changed anyway after he passed away. Um, a couple of years ago, I was asked to be a Spanish teacher. Hola. <laughs> Hola. Um, and even though I did, I was very clear about my limitations as a Spanish teacher. And at the time, I mean, really just, just was not, was not confident I was qualified for it. But what happened is I did, I was a Spanish teacher the entire year for fourth, fifth and sixth graders. And um, like, here's how you know it's bad, right? Because listen, I, I do know some Spanish. It's not like I'm like, I can say, you know, como estas? Oh, Carla speaks Spanish. I could, we could, we could have a Spanish conversation right now. And then it would be like three sentences and I'd be done. I'd be like, cuantos años tienes? You know what I'm saying? But no, I didn't ask you that actually. No. <laughs> I was such a, like a child. Anyway, so um, so I did it the whole year. But really, almost every like every week, a kid would raise their hand and they would be like, "Oh, uh, Senora Dodd, um, you know how do you say this in Spanish?" <laughs> I'd be like, "Hey, hey, stick to the lesson, <laughs> child. Okay, so, okay, we're not talking about that word right now. All right, you stay you stay on topic. We're talking about mi casa. All right." Those are the only words that we're going to talk about today because I did not know. And really, I mean, my mom likes to tease me about this, but like, you know, really would be like, how do you say kick in Spanish? And I'd be like, we're talking about mi casa. Okay. Ask me about dormitorio. All right. La puerta. I don't know. So I learned. I really um, would have wanted to sit for, in one of your classes. Yes, for all. Tell us what you yes. Yeah. I, we did a lot of like Simon Dice, you uh -huh. know, a lot of Simon yeah. Says, right? And so I could just, anyway, my, I have, I have a decent accent and I think that's what tricks people into thinking I know Spanish, but, uh, and I do know some Spanish, but I learned for all future occupations to only teach what I'm good at. Okay. So like, maybe what you know. Or what and you've what learned. Do what you know. With you more know. mastery. You know, maybe, maybe a little bit more mastery. mastery. Yeah. You know? Yeah, listen. And if you want to talk to me about Mikasa, I can talk to you about Mikasa. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But it's only going to get you so far, my friends. And the worst part is I also had just come back from Papua New Guinea, and the language that was fresh in my mind was talk pigeon. Literally, I would oh. be teaching, and I'd be in the middle of a Spanish sentence, and I would put in a pigeon word and not even realize it until afterward. These poor children, they don't know the difference. They you don't. Know? And I'm like, oh, wait, that's all. That's like a pigeon word. Anyway, Did you so. have a Spanish speaker in the class correct you? Um... No, <laughs> they're fourth graders, Carla. Oh. No, well, but actually, a but couple of them did speak Spanish. Yeah, one time, they I know, spoke Spanish. At one home. time, it was like bring your parent to class day. <gasps> it was the worst oh, day because one of one of one of their. Anyway, so that that's what I learned. That was one job I had, and something I learned from it. Kim. Oh, my job would be a short season where we did foster care. It's amazing, wonderful, hard. Yeah, absolutely terrifying. Um, but I will say what I learned was, was really easy from the very beginning is when God says our children or when we know they understand that our children are not our own, you really feel that when you have a child in your home mm. and you're getting ready and you're waiting for an adoption date and something comes up and it gets pushed off. Right. And mm. something else comes up, there's a hiccup, there's a misstep, there's sometimes just overwhelmedness or maybe even incompetence and you're trying to advocate for this child. 
and you just say, okay, Lord, this child is ultimately yours. Do what you want and what you know is best for this child. And so that really helped us to start a foundation with our kids from realizing that we can do or not do a thousand things every day. And ultimately the Lord is going to be the one to have his way um, with our kids. Mm -hmm. So foster care was really good for just kind of holding them, trying to hold them open with an open palm. Yeah. Hold them loosely. Yes. Hold them loosely. And I think that there were times even in our parenting where we probably forgot that a little bit, but it didn't take long. We would always celebrate adoption days and every year Mm -hmm. and talk about it. And it was, we were very open about it in our family. We loved it. We loved how God made our family, um, with both biological son and then our daughters who are adopted. And so, um, it was just easy to be able to talk about that and kind of recalibrate it every year that these children are the Lord's. That's right. And we want to be faithful stewards. Yeah. Which is true all the time of all of our children, right? We're only stewards. They're, they're the Lord's. And yet we don't feel that the same way as, as, as you would an adoption. It was a unique opportunity to feel that. This is, this is why Kim is on the show. Well, I was just thinking that. We do, we, you know, we answer this question. We're like, oh, I shouldn't be a Spanish teacher. I should be an accountant. Or maybe I just don't. You should be a foster parent. Let me tell you about God's faithfulness. I know. Let me me tell you about something biblical because that's that's why you're here. Yes, that is why you're here. Okay, well, we get to... Yeah, we get to now really get to the heart of why we asked Kim to come and why we want to hear her story. Uh, So... I, we're gonna we we got some questions together. We sent them to her ahead of time, so yes, she's thank she's you prepared. So much. Hopefully, helps. yes. And so uh, we're gonna just ask her some questions now. So, Kim, can you walk us through your cancer diagnosis? I can. And as I do that, I'm also going to maybe add a little bit of part of the next question. Can you read that next question for me too? The next one, the second yes. one. How did truth sustain you in the midst of your di- of the difficult parts yes. of the cancer diagnosis? I feel like I'll do better talking through some of that yeah. if I can also add some of the um, what I was learning and Great. the truth that I needed oh, yeah. to survive just that time too. Okay. Yes, and actually, this is just so you ladies know. This is the first time I have walked through my whole story. Well, thank so, you for doing that with us. Well, for those of you listening, it might be a little bit rough, but we will trust okay. the Lord for yeah. that. Sorry. And maybe next time we'll be even more clear. So my cancer diagnosis began with a lump, November of 2018. It was time for a mammogram and a doctor's visit anyway, so I went to the primary care doctor. She took one little feel and said, well, it's easy enough. We're going to send you on for a mammogram and an ultrasound. I didn't really have a reason to be concerned. There had been other glands that had been swollen and things, and but so let's do it. Um, I think I got to the ultrasound place. They did the mammogram, didn't know if they'd need to do the ultrasound. They knew they wanted to do the ultrasound. I thought, oh, that's too bad. It would have been much easier if it would have just been the mammogram and I could have gone home. And I get to the end of the ultrasound, and my first hint of concern was when the sweet hmm. doctor came in after the tech and said, Miss Maxwell, is, do you have anybody here with you today? No, no. And I thought, oh, well, maybe it's not the news I was thinking. Mm. So she left the room to get the printed results and to come back and go over them with me, which gave me a few minutes to think. Huh. And um, as my friend sometimes says, that is when the wild horses start to run. <laughs> and you have to rein your thoughts yeah. back in. And that is indeed what I got the opportunity to do for me. Anytime any significant challenge, change to plans, hardship, crisis, from the biggest to the smallest, 
the first thing I have to do is I just have to talk to God like as fast as possible. Even if it's just acknowledging, okay, Lord, here I am. So that's the first thing I did. So this little process I'm going to tell you about is just kind of what I do every single time. And it's not as formal as it sounds because it it may take only like 30 seconds, but it is what I do. The first thing that I do, I just acknowledge God. And I remember just laying on that table. It's kind of dark and very peaceful, actually, which is I'm thankful for. Okay, Lord, I need you right now. I need your help. Guide my thoughts. Protect my heart. Guide my mouth. Give me wisdom. And I just started asking for help in anything I needed. Because I wanted to first acknowledge him. And then I needed to just start acknowledging truth. Anything I could think of about the Lord. Lord, she was insinuating that I was alone. Because Scott wasn't with me. But I know I am not alone. You're with me. I am not alone. Your spirit, your power, your very presence is in me. You will not leave me. You will not forsake me. You already know what I'm about to hear. You already have a plan for how it will be used to glorify yourself. And really the only reason I know those things is because over the years I've heard them taught and I've read them and I've prayed them and I've heard other people faithfully proclaim them. And so I could re-say them to myself and speak truth to my heart and begin to uh, formulate how I wanted to think about this. You know, and then I go into a, a little practice that I have to do a lot of times I just take every thought captive and I start just mm-hmm. filtering all my thoughts. First of all, like, okay, am I alone? I'm not alone. Mm-hmm. Um, am I going to die? I don't know if that's true. So I'm not going to think about that right now. I'm going to wait. Mm-hmm. What can I think about right now? What is true? What is true? Exactly. Philippians 4, 8 starts with whatever is true. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's in the King James or another version. It would say whatever is real. And so my thought process that I heard from a woman many years ago named Liz George mm-hmm. is um, thinking on what is real and true at the moment, dwelling, staying there. And that would be Philippians 4, 8. So I've taken my thoughts captive. I'm sorting through everything I'm thinking. I'm trying to think God's thoughts. If it doesn't seem like a right thought, I'm just powering through. And as fast as the thoughts come to me, I just try to turn them toward the Lord. So I did this, and in the minute I got quiet or in my thoughts, if imp, um, if the emotion started coming up or a fear started coming up, I just started it all over again. Hmm. I didn't need to sit and listen to myself because I didn't have enough information. I didn't have enough knowledge. I didn't have enough wisdom about right. the situation to accurately assess and be able to move forward. Right. So you I just relied on what I knew. Yeah, yeah exactly. Right. So at that point, then, I would try to, okay, if I don't have any other information, I'm going to just set my mind on the things above. I'm just going to think about spiritual things. Lord, thank you that you give me time to pray right now. Thank you that you give me the opportunity to be here. Maybe this is the only Christian Jesus follower that this woman will see today. And that turns to Matthew 6.33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. As I do that and think about God's thoughts for the moment, Mm -hmm. I can turn my thoughts from myself to to other people. And I can begin to think, okay, how do I want to be? What do I want to say? How can I testify to you when she comes in? Even it's just, you know, I'm not alone, but I know God's with me. Right. No, my husband's going to wish he was fear, but I trust God knew this. Mm-hmm. No, I didn't have any idea that this was going to be something more. But it's okay. I have a peace. I can trust God. Mm-hmm. It's something so simple. And I think of, too, just Matthew 5, 16. Let your light shine before men. They may see your good works and glorify the Lord. Lord, just give me something that will glorify you right now. Not in my own strength, but because I trust in you. And so that was the first of many, many times that I was going to um, employ that process in my mind. Sometimes it would be all night long, searching the Psalms for what am I going to fill my mind with, because I couldn't sleep during chemo. 
And sometimes it was just that brief, okay, Lord, give me your thoughts, give me your ways. Sometimes it was a hymn. Sometimes it was a question with a catechism answer. Whatever I could cling to, whatever the Lord would bring to mind. Now, this isn't on the list, so I'm going to throw it out there. But um, can you tell us about how you did that through your, through, um, before receiving a cancer diagnosis? Because it sounds like you had a habit of when someone, something happened, where do my thoughts go? Because um, there is a discipline that comes with training your mind to think on eternal God honoring things. And you know, you, it's, it's like, I feel like you pulled your heart in that direction and this couldn't have been the first time. Right. I mean, sometimes I say that the time to prepare for a trial is not the day a trial comes, but you know, before that with much smaller right. trials. And it sounds like you had been doing that with your heart. How, Correct. But I will like? say that um, I was amazed that in the trial, how God sustained me. Um, in a day where I just was unable to read my Bible or even listen to it, hmm. he still brought, recalled uh, things that were hidden in my heart. So, of course, these things you could um, easily run to. Anybody could probably say this, but, you know, beforehand, you're just putting yourself in the hearing of God's word. Yeah. You know, right now for me, it's Sunday morning, equipping hour uh-huh. at church. It's the Sunday service. It is small group. It is Sunday evening. Um, it is any time I can get together with any lady for coffee and you know what, you can get together and have coffee with anybody. Yeah. You can get together with the Pope and have coffee, but the only difference with, um, anything that matters is when you can bring up Christ and we can bring up truth and we can bring up the Lord. Mm-hmm. And so just taking advantage of all of those times. And then number one, just your personal time with the Lord, mm-hmm. you know, you will invest in so many things. You'll read parenting books. You will take classes. You will get a master's. You will invest, invest, invest in bettering yourself in this world. What about your spiritual condition? Mm-hmm. You know, it will show where you spend your time, what you love the most. And I'm not saying I do that well, but I'm saying that when you do, when you're striving to do that, God is kind and he does recall those things. Mm-hmm. And then you ask for help. Yeah. You have friends that you know, and you mm-hmm. plead with people to speak truth to you. Yeah. And that's and why the church it. is so important, Correct. because that's where these friendships yes. start and grow, and yes. where we hold each other up. I mean, I know for Cameron and everything that you experienced with Matt yeah. passing away, you know, with, I feel like, I'm wow, I'm like the only one here that, that hasn't had something catastrophic happen in the last <laughs> five years. And yet but, it starts with the tiniest of things. Yes, it if does. If you can start being faithful in the little things, and that means the mess on the floor that you respond to, the red light, the person that cuts you off in traffic, the Mm -hmm. baby that screamed for the second night in a row and did not sleep. Mm -hmm. I mean, it starts with the littlest things, dinner being late, your husband not coming home when he said he would. Mm -hmm. It comes with taking every thought captive there to the obedience of Christ. Right, because what we're talking about is not these lofty theological hypotheses or ideas, right? Like really what we're talking about is, is actual application of God's word. Like if, yeah. if, if we believe in a God who is sovereign and we believe in a God who is good and promises to work all things for the good of those who love him, then when you hit that red light, that's what you're telling yourself. Okay, Lord, you are in control of that light. Yeah. And for whatever purpose, this is your good purpose and yeah. I can trust you and I don't need to be angry. I don't need to be stressed out or anxious. Right. And we are not you. our own. We belong to our faithful savior, Jesus Christ who does what is best for his glory. And we are along for the ride, actively participating simply by responding um, with the help of the spirit 
to the situations he gives us. Yeah. So it is not necessarily about the ends, although he will get his end. His He will get the glory no matter what. It is about our heart motive and how we carry out our day-to-day living. So um, I'll go on. I'll tell you. I'll Please try do. to. Yes, I will try to kind of run through some of these things. Um, I would next have two biopsies. And during that time in God's kindness, he would direct me to Banner MD Cancer Center, which would be my second home Mm. for the next year and a half. And I am still even there more than I thought I would be Mm. two years later. Um, It would be the beginning of many medical procedures, needles, scans, MRIs, blood work, IVs, ports, more blood work, more blood work, Um, chemotherapy, radiation, bell ringing, you know, relationships, it would just be a really um, integral part of my life for the next couple of years. So I'm so thankful. He actually led me to the hospital through some um, unfortunate circumstances, mix up in insurance, people not calling back and that could have been frustrations. But when I finally got on the, uh, the phone with some random person at MD Anderson that just happened to put me through to a oncology breast surgeon, I thought, wait a minute, why am I talking with a surgeon? I, haven't, I don't even have a diagnosis yet. Well, within two weeks, I did, mm. and I realized that God had provided for an in-house place for me to have everything done from the Praise first God. biopsy now to still being there for physical therapy. Very wow. sweet. So um, one evidence of God's grace was in those biopsies, their needle biopsies. They're not particularly fun, um, but there was a nurse, and Nurse Shea was precious. Don't know if she knows the Lord, but the minute I mentioned to her that I just tried to testify very quickly when I got in that... She asked how I was doing, and I said, well, I just finished listening to worship music on the way, so I think my heart is ready for this. I'm ready to be courageous. Uh-huh. The Lord will be my help. And she just got so excited. Oh, sweetheart. And she's <laughs> patting my head and rubbing my hair. And um, we get in there, and the minute that the doctor starts the procedure, she's trying to help me. She's rubbing my arm, and she starts singing Christmas carols. You know, sweetie, I listen to, it was because it was December. Oh, okay. It's April. I listen to Christmas carols starting in at Thanksgiving all the way till January, and I sing in my church choir. So let's just sing a little bit. Okay. This be good for you and she sings and sings and sings that's very sweet and it was it was a sweet distraction so i would go from biopsies to a diagnosis late stage two invasive ductal carcinoma Mm -hmm. in other words breast cancer Mm -hmm. one side right side i would have surgery to remove the tumor it's called a lumpectomy i would have a couple lymph nodes taken out Um, I would have that done and find out the tumor was almost twice as big as they thought Mm. and that the cancer had spread to my lymph nodes. Mm. So that would send me to another surgery and that would now change my treatment from radiation to chemotherapy and radiation. It would add about six months to my treatment. So over the next six months, I would do um, uh, radiation and rest a little bit. It was actually five months of chemotherapy. Sorry, let me say that again. I would do chemotherapy for five months a little bit of rest, and then I would do six weeks or about 32 sessions of radiation. Radiation. Wow. Yes, which is basically just burns you from the inside out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, It's... The room's amazing. Lasers everywhere, yeah. pinpointing the exact. And it doesn't hurt. It, no, and it, it does not hurt, hurt right. while they're doing while it. They're doing just the after effects, yes. you know. And that's okay because sometimes things hurt that are eventually supposed to help you or save you. Mm-hmm. Um, there's all sorts of spiritual analogies yes. with that. So it was at this point right around Christmas and after I realized that this was going to be a longer process that we began to tell our extended family and friends we had told our kids And Scott had then stepped up to just, he was ready to take the lead and he was ready to 
do anything and everything that was needed. I think he went to every single appointment and was my brains and my thinking, my clarity, my physical help mm-hmm. um, from beginning to end, um, except for maybe one or two times during radiation where a friend took me, which I'm very grateful for. So Christmas that year brought new meaning as I pondered Christ's birth for the specific purpose of dying, right. that he was born to die and not right. just die, but he was innocent and died a horrible death on the cross. I, cancer for me, I mean, I, I was a sinner. I deserve wrath. And so cancer could still be a, a mercy from the Lord. Uh-huh. Um, but thankful there was a pathway forward and healing for that. But um, I, Jesus didn't deserve to die on the cross. And even reminding myself that even if I should die because of cancer, that is only the beginning for me and my relationship mm. still with the Lord. It is a new beginning of eternity. Right. And Jesus died so that I might live now to testify of him, not so that I might be perfectly happy and healthy. Um, yeah. So that was Christmas. Um, this time I'll also say my Bible reading and my prayer and my journaling, it was in December, that as I look at my journal, I can really see my dependence on the Lord starting to grow. Mm-hmm. I can see every day just the prayers of crying out, yep. you know, um, everything from, oh goodness, I won't even open up my journal. It'll take too much time. But everything from just, Lord, you are faithful. Um, Lord, I would have despaired unless I had believed I'd see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Mm -hmm. Be strong. Let your heart take courage and wait for the Lord. Mm -hmm. And anything I could get my hands on from the Psalms, any commentary, as someone gave me a Bridges commentary that I started to read through, so precious to read through each verse slowly and just soak in it. And that meant if I could only read a few sentences a day, because of chemotherapy just being foggy, at least it gave me something to think on, mm-hmm. to try to um, drown out any other thoughts of doubt or mm-hmm. fear with truth. Mm-hmm. And that's what I did. So I'm so grateful for just that period of journaling and that I can go back now. And probably one of the biggest things for me, my journal entry from Tuesday, December 11th, 2018. This is actually from the Heidelberg Catechism written in 1563, but it was what I asked myself all the time. Question, what is my only comfort, my true comfort in life and death? Answer, that I am not my own, but belong with both body and soul, both in death and in life to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. He has fully paid for all my sins with his precious blood and has set me free from all the power of the devil. He preserves me in such a way that without the will of my heavenly father, not a hair can fall from my head. And soon all of the hair would fall from my head (laughs) until Scott shaved it off one Friday night. Oh my goodness. And it's okay. Indeed, all things must work together for my salvation. Therefore, by his Holy Spirit, he also assures me of eternal life and makes me heartily willing and ready from now on to live for him. So I can't tell you how many times something would just come up and I would just say, okay. I feel horrible right now. I can't think right now. Mm. I hurt right now. Mm. What's next right now? Mm. I'm by myself right now. I'm with a bunch of people right now. Okay, what is my only comfort in this life and in death? I belong to my faithful Mm. Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. So um, that was pretty much the um, the rest of my story. All of those things weaning in and out. September 23rd, I finished my 32nd and final radiation treatment. Nurses and doctors came out that had cared for me. They all gathered around. Maybe you know this if you've um, been a part of cancer treatment. My 
precious husband, my sweet family, a couple other precious friends were there, and they watched me ring that bell, signifying that I was done with treatment. Mm -hmm. Now, although I was done with treatment, that was then only the beginning of healing and recovery, Mm -hmm. and some of that still goes on today. Mm -hmm. I am two years out, um, and all I can say is that there are limitations and weaknesses, but there are some things that have not changed, and that is from the very beginning, knowing that God was with me, and that God was there. He never left me or forsaked me or forsook me. Um, his word was living and active. Um, my pursuit of him, although it was up and down and not perfect, was led by him. And there was comfort for all of my needs. And there was growth. I loved him more. And I needed him more. And I trusted him more than I did before my cancer diagnosis. And how can you put a price on that? This life is getting us ready for heaven. If that's what we really want, is to be ready and fit for heaven, to meet Jesus, then we accept what he gives us as those means. Cancer in and of itself isn't good. It's not. It's a reminder that sin is here, that it's a broken world. It's a horrible, awful thing. But the goodness comes in the God that controls it, directs it, and uses it for his glory and our good. I mean, that is really why... You know, in James 1, 2, where it says, consider all joy, my brothers, when you face trials of various kinds. Um, for, you know, the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, perseverance. That's why you can consider those things joy. Yeah. Not because they're pleasant, not because you would have ever chosen them for yourself, but because of what it produces in steadfastness and perseverance. And you consider it joy because of the end result and where it will eventually bring you to glory um, rather than the, the present condition yeah. of things. Yeah. Um, well, and the, just uh, <laughs> I was just thinking about what you were saying, I'm trying to put my words together. Okay, so I just want to ask you one more question mm-hmm. as we wrap up, mm-hmm. um, because I feel like you you answered all of the questions yeah. in your story, yes. and so it was just it's, it was wonderful. Thank you. Uh, but one of the things I want to walk away with is you really are good at um, advising providing wisdom. Um, and so I want to ask you, what would you tell a friend who maybe has a family member that just got diagnosed, has been diagnosed herself? Um, what would you say is the most important priority when you hear of someone having cancer or when you've been diagnosed yourself? I would say, oh, dear friend, I'm sorry, but the Lord is near. I would plead with them that your relationship with the Lord is the most important thing you will have in this. It will carry you. It will sustain you. It will grow you. From the beginning of my cancer diagnosis to this day, I strive to just run to him first and most. And... I mean, that comes with so many caveats Mm -hmm. and so many opportunities, so many ideas of how you do that. But in just keeping in your mind that your relationship with him is everything in this. It will make or break your trial. Um, It will be the difference between growing closer to him or growing away from him. It will be what proves your faith that God is alive and well in you or challenges you to evaluate carefully with help. Um, Do I really trust the Lord? 
Do I really believe he's in control? Has he really saved me from hell? Do I believe he has enough power to save me from hell, but not to help me in this lesser trial, hmm. lesser punishment? Not a punishment, but lesser trial? Yeah. Um, run to the Lord first and most every day with all you have. And if all that means is you're on the couch with radiation burns and exhausted and all you can do is say the same thing over and over, Lord, I love you. Mm-hmm. Scott, will you please turn on the Gettys or Sovereign Grace mm-hmm. Music or Enfield or even Grace Bible Church, you know, playlist, Jacob Hantlin's playlist that he made. Mm-hmm. I have it almost memorized. Get that. If that's all you can do, then be faithful with that. If you can do a lot more today, I get to be out for hours and I get to run errands and serve my family and be here with you sweet ladies, then be faithful with that. Mm. But your relationship with him is everything. It's all that matters. Wow. Thank you, Kim. Thank you for sharing that with us. I was blessed by it. And I know our listeners will be too. So we're going to wrap this up, our first podcast with Cameron. Yay. Yay. And so as you go about your week, just we want to remind you to, to think on what is eternal. And so we always want to... Cameron is pointing to me. <laughs> she would say, like me to stop and put our next episode. Oh, yes, just our next to, episode. That's right. That, uh, so our next episode, just to give you a little teaser for it, is we're actually going to be speaking with a high school student. Well, no, well, not anymore. Recent graduate. Recent graduate from mm-hmm. high school um, who is actually going to be attending the master's college in a couple of weeks, yeah. actually, about what it's like to be a Christian teenager, a Christian teenager going through high school, a secular high school, uh, what that looks like um, for mm-hmm. her. Yeah. So, just to give you I'm a excited about that. that. So now that we have covered everything, <laughs> we just want everyone to remember and think on what is eternal. So we're going to leave you with this. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Thank you for listening.